or to help a particular um, aspect of mission. You know, I, um, I come across people, of course, uh, in the context of life and ministry and world that um, uh, forever want to push down on Christians. I'll come to that perhaps a little bit more in a moment. Um, but I want to say that the, the force of the church in the earth, friends, is something that we should never underestimate. It's amazing. And uh, God, by his spirit, is always talking to people in different ways. Uh, so the, the issue that we've just been confronted with, God has spoken to people specifically. He's raised up leaders in our country uh, that have brought together a great ministry called Hope for Justice. And I never cease to be amazed at how the Holy Spirit always touches people, raises people up uh, to uh, bring a, an antidote, an answer to a need. And um, I was impacted this morning because uh, some of you may have seen some of the Hope for Justice ministry before that's uh, concentrated on the girls and uh, the way that they're treated uh, in such a, a, a disrespectful and dishonoring way. But it was just impacting this morning um, that uh, the focus was on a guy uh, that genuinely came to work to better himself and, and went into a spiral of, of uh, what you uh, uh, heard about. So do keep praying and ministering into what God is doing. And we just thank God uh, for the kingdom of light that confronts the kingdom of darkness. Um, this morning, just going to minister for a little time. Uh, and uh, last Sunday, uh, for people that were here, Christian uh, uh, brought a word about one reaching one. And, uh, and then I, I sort of brought uh, some ministry at Mansfield. And during the week, uh, as you know, numbers of us were away for three days at our Assemblies of God conference. And, and as Christian's already said, thank you for, uh, for praying for that because... Uh, it, it is a way to responsibility, and it's great to know that home church is praying, and God bless. God is doing something. Uh, God, is, God is raising up people. God is speaking. And uh, uh, as I just spoke briefly to Christian, we, we were just, uh, we, we're in a season of just plotting the course for the next phase of ministry in the church, which will take us through the summer. And he just said to me uh, these words, Phil, let's flip it. And uh, and uh, as soon as I walked away from them, I, I knew it was right. It, it wasn't a get out for Sunday. I, I knew it was right. I knew that what I'd spoken at Mansfield last Sunday night actually did need to be shared this morning here. And I knew that what Christian has shared here last Sunday, night, Sunday morning does need to be shared tonight. And some of you cross both churches, and we thank you for that. But we just ask you to let the word just minister across your heart this morning. So this morning is going to start off a little bit gloomy uh, but don't, uh, don't worry because the word is about encouragement and about exhortation. And I want, you to, I want to take you to a little book in the Old Testament, towards the end of the Old Testament. It may take you the rest of the message to find it. But anyway, here we go. It's the book Haggai. It's just two chapters. And uh, if it's any help, it's, it's just after, uh, between Zephaniah and Zechariah. Um, but it's a little book and it's a real favorite of mine. And of course... These books are known as the minor prophets. They're not minor because they're less than other books. It's just that most of them are quite short. And they are compared to the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, which are very long. And uh, I just want to encourage you this morning. And if you want a, a title for the message, it's simply this. And I want, I want to draw everybody in. So if you're one of those young people that have been prayed for this morning... Or if you've been in the church a long time, or if you've been a Christian 25, 30, 35 years, the encouragement this morning is that we never stop building. Now, I understand that Jesus says, I will build my church. And sometimes I get a little bit concerned because the way some people portray that 
is that every one of us then just lie in the hammock and let him do it. Um, and uh, sort of we just snooze our way by because Jesus is building his church. But I've been impacted again this week, friends, that Jesus is always working in with cooperation with people to build what he has determined to build. One of the phrases that we use in quite regularly in prayer arena at the moment is, Lord, we've done all that we can. Now will you do what only you can do? It's a cooperation. It's not just leaving it all with God. And if God just left it all with us, then friends, this wouldn't be a church. It would just simply be an organization. Uh, So it, it never rests solely on us. But the reality is that God has called us to cooperate with him. We are co-workers with the Lord. In my devotional reading this morning, I was reading from 2 Corinthians 4, and I was reminded that the the, the treasure of the gospel is in a jar of clay. Uh, And and, uh, we're so ordinary, we're we're so abased. God takes all the people that nobody else sometimes would look at. But that which he uses, he does use. It's not just that it lies there, he does use us for his glory and praise. So the encouragement this morning is for us never to stop building. And we can apply that to our personal lives. But more this morning, in the context of being together as church, I want us to apply it to what God is doing and what God is doing through Arena Church in these days because we need builders. We need co-builders to continue to commit to all that God wants to do. So I'm going to read just a few verses from Haggai, if you found it, in the first chapter. It says, in the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, it is time for you yourselves to is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while the house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says give careful thought to your ways. You may say, Phil, this seems a bit of an obscure book. I don't think I've ever read it before. What on earth has it got to say to us here in Arena Church this morning? Well, let me just try and give you a little bit of background and then we'll just launch into a few things that are on my heart this morning. Firstly, look, all of Scripture, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all Scripture is God-breathed, breathed on by God, inspired of God. We don't have time this morning to articulate how that came together, but it was a miracle, friends, of God's sovereign purposes that we've got this Bible, 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, that come together as his story. And the Bible tells us in Romans 15, 4, that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the encouragement that it gives to us, we might have hope. It also goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 10 that it writes there about the example of the people of God in the past. And it gives us four things to avoid. Christian was talking this morning about avoiding things. And I, I'm for avoidance ministry. I, I think it's far more positive than deliverance ministry. Let's go there. Let's not even need to be delivered because we've not even done it. And uh, the Bible writes there and says, these things are written from the past to be an example to you. Now, we understand there are parts of the Old Testament that are difficult to understand. 
And to deny that, frankly, would be crass. They really are. If you're a new Christian, it's not advisable to start your daily Bible readings in Leviticus. You know, you'll get there one day, but it might be best to start with Matthew or Mark or Luke or John, the good news books of the New Testament that speak about what Jesus did. But the thing is, the Old Testament paints a picture for us. It's forever pointing to Christ and the cross and the new day. And all that that was written was written to teach us. So here we are, all these years later, we might learn something from it. And this book is known uh, as a book that encourages God's purposes in our lives. And the prophet Haggai is known as a post-exile prophet. He's also known as an encouraging prophet. What happened was that God's people in the Old Testament had continually moved away from God's purposes and plans. And God again and again came to them and encouraged them and called them back to himself. But through the prophet Jeremiah, he basically sort of said, guys, if you keep walking away from me, judgment's going to come. And uh, they continually refused to hear the word of the Lord. So God allowed an army to come down from the north, the Babylonians, and to rout the nation of Judah, the people of God, to lay flat the walls, which Christian referred to in staff meeting this morning, and to flatten the temple, the fantastic temple that Solomon had built, in all of its grandeur and beauty and wealth, completely raised to the ground. And for 70 years, the people were taken back and lived in exile. And uh, it's thought that Haggai may have even been born whilst they were in exile. It was a sad time for them. Psalm 137, it's not only a psalm made famous by Boney M, it's in the Bible, by the rivers of Babylon, when we say, oh no, we won't go there, but, but by the rivers of Babylon, when we sat down, when we remembered Zion, the homelands. And you may have spoken to people in the past, for whatever reason, they've had to live in exile. They've been estranged from their home. It's an uncomfortable place to be. And these people for 70 years were away, but God began to renew a purpose. And you know, sometimes, friends, churches, context can seemingly go through difficult times. But God is always on the move. After about 400 years of the church reaching the ends of the earth, it went through a very dark time called the Dark Ages, when it seems that most of the things that God had given to the church were taken from the church. The church was continually less what we are this morning, a reflection of body, of a body, and it went more to a hierarchy, dangerous place. And so it seemed a dark time, but God always was on the move. He raised up people like Martin Luther. He says, hang on, this is the wrong way to approach God. We've all been justified. It's just as if we've never sinned before Jesus. We don't have to pay penance and kiss steps and bow down, bow down at icons. There's something more simple than that. And the restoring of God's purposes began to be birthed. It was what we knew as the Reformation. It wasn't perfect. If you read some of the things that Luther wrote, it makes you wince. But God used him in an amazing way. And God has been giving back to the church. Because whatever is lost, God always wants to restore. I never cease to be moved, friends, when anybody, it's happened again this morning, encourages us to pray for prodigals. It's something we often do at our prayer encounter evenings, calling people back to God that have somehow been robbed of something. We don't say it judgmentally. They could have made poor decisions and all sorts of things. 
But there's an army of prodigals in the nation and in the earth that God is longing would be restored and beyond to the purpose of God. And I say again to people this morning that if you're connected with a prodigal through family relationships, through friendship, never give up on them. Keep praying that they will come back to God. So God begins to restore his purposes and he uses people. And so under the leadership of Zerubbabel, 50,000 people came back from exile. And the first thing that they were determining to do was to rebuild the house of the Lord. Now, I understand today that we say buildings don't really matter. God's building the house. I understand that, and it's really true. This church is not defined by this building, nor is Mansfield. It's defined by the people. But it's great to have a building, isn't it? It's great for us to have a place to gather. But in the Old Testament, it was very significant because it really was the place in God's economy where he dwelt, where he came to, where he met with people. And so the intention of these people was they were going to rebuild the house. That was going to be the first priority as they returned back from Babylon. And in Ezra, there is a book of the scribe. Excuse me. Uh, we get some record of what God, of what God is doing. And it seems though everything's great. Because the people return and they lay the foundation in Ezra chapter 3 and verse 10. They lay the foundations of the temple and they begin to praise God and give thanks to him. And there's a great show of praise to the Lord because the foundations have been laid. And many of the older priests and the Levites and the family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundations being laid. Imagine going 70 years ago and now coming back. And beginning to see that God was restoring something. It was an exciting time. It was a time when they seemed to be galvanized into rebuilding. But the enemy saw what was taking place. And sought to step in and prevent progress almost immediately. You know, I have this little phrase that we laid into Arena Church some years ago about don't stop me now. It's absolutely true, friends. Whenever we press into the next of God... It's almost always resisted. Almost always. Don't let anything stop you moving into the next of God's. I wish it didn't happen, but it does. And when you've been a Christian a long time and you're moving into new things, it comes again. It's normally somebody else having a, having a word to press you down or to lock you in or to question your motive. Whatever it is, but don't let it happen. But in Ezra chapter 4, we find that almost as the work began to restart, the enemy came in and sought to stop the building work taking place. And there were four things that happened. And spiritually, friends, these things still come to us today to try and stop us as the people of God being committed to the building of all that God wants to do in these days. Let me quickly move through them for you. Firstly, there was discouragement. Discouragement. And uh, you can read about that in Ezra 4. Because as the, as the opposition came, he says, then the peoples around them, that's the peoples that were surrounding the city, the enemy tribes, hang on, what's going off here? We've got some people going back. What's going off with those relaying of the founder? They're going to try and build the temple again. And he says straight away that they set out to discourage the people. 
Now, I'm convinced, friends, that there are people that feel that their purpose in life to be on planet Earth is to set out to discourage others. And if you're one of them this morning, then please get a life and repent. Because I believe that God set us on the earth to be the exact opposite, to be encouragers. But they set out to discourage. Boy, some of them have been in my face over the years. They really have. They've set out intentionally, deliberately, willfully, verbally to discourage me, to stop me building what God wants to do. And I want to suggest, friends, that discouragement is a massive attack on the body and people buy into it. I've got friends today, I've got colleagues, former colleagues in ministry that aren't in church this morning, not because they're bad people, not because they've ran off with another woman, not because they've pilfered funds from the works. Simply, they've got discouraged. They've got discouraged and they've stopped building. Here's what Paul Scanlon said. Someone said that discouragement is like the leukemia of the soul. It saps energy, robs joy, and undermines confidence. It approaches by stealth and then suddenly decloaks itself in a full frontal assault on our hopes and dreams. It whispers lies that says it's not worth it. It's not going to happen. People won't come to you. Look how far you have to go. And you lack resource. And we must learn to manage discouragement before it manages us. And I want to say this morning, if you're involved in a ministry in Arena Church and you felt discouraged, it's not the unpardonable sin. We're all there. But I want to lift you again this morning to say, to some degree, you ought to be encouraged that somebody's trying to discourage you. Because something is happening in your life. We're either going to give in to it or we're going to rise above it. Discouragement came. Then fear came, chapter 4, verse 4 again. And they made the people afraid to go on building. Fear. And the Bible says that the fear of man brings a snare. It entraps fear. And I'm not talking here about all the phobias are out there that sometimes assail people and maybe you're having to work some of those things through. But sometimes you just look down the line of God's purpose and you get frightened. And, you know, I'm, I'm the sort of person that can easily go there. And I refuse, friends, to let fear dominate me from living in the purpose of God. Number four, they got the, sorry, number three, it says that they came to frustrate their plans. And fourthly, they brought accusation. Now, I'm going to be careful what I say because of, the, I, I, because of the recording that literally can go anywhere. And I, I don't say this with any boss, but I never cease to be amazed. People contact me and say, oh, listening to your message last week. And you, so, but just to say without mentioning any names, this week I was talking to a colleague of mine, wonderful man of God, whose church have just embarked on a very, very significant building project, literally. And this week... They've had to face horrible accusation, terrible, that's gone to the press, completely blown out of all proportion. He's trying to stop them. He's trying to stop them. They'll be in church this morning, friends, pressing through, the people of God coming together in solidarity. They're going to keep going. But it's been horrible, horrible. I've had people accuse me of things I've never even thought of. 
I mean, it wouldn't be so bad if I'd done them. This man's been accused of things. The journey of Arena Mansfield, we've been accused of things in the public domain. We have to press through. We have to press through. Just the week before last, somebody on Facebook, because of a decision that was made in church, trashing the leaders. And friends, if you can't use Facebook for any other reason than venting your angst, please come off it. If you can't use Facebook to be an encourager, then please come off it. And the same with Twitter. The good thing about Twitter is you've only got 140 characters to have a go. So use it to encourage. Use it to build up. Use it to call your fellow builders to the work that God's called us for at this time. So in the last few minutes of the message, I just want to go back to Haggai. I want you to see, friends, that God was doing something. God had a word. All this stuff came to the people. But I want you to see, firstly, evaluation. Because what happened was, in response to fear, frustration, accusation, and and, uh, discouragement, the building work stopped for 16 years. You can read it. That's why the prophet came. See, the prophet's always there to stir up. The prophet does carry edge. It's just what they are. The prophet does say, why are you here? The prophet says, why can't you see that you need to get there? That's what the prophetic ministry does. It lives with holy frustration. It's a very, very costly ministry. Because it's always seen something that other people can't see and then trying to call them to it. It's a very, very costly ministry. But the reality was, friends, they bought all of this. And I want to say this morning, we cannot afford to lie dormant for the next 16 years in Arena Church because we bought into discouragement, accusation, fear and frustration. The needs, friends, are too great in the earth. They really are. And so God began to speak to the people and he began to minister to them. And he began to ask them to evaluate their purpose because they said, well, it's not time to build. Really? And then their priority, because whenever we lose heart, friends, here's what happens. We go in on ourselves. We become self-absorbed. How can we protect in the church what we've already got? And the moment we sign up to simply protecting what we've got and not losing any people, we have signed the death knell of the church. And that is why, friends, so many churches need repurposing today because somewhere in their journey, they got discouraged. They stopped building and the priority was looking after ourselves and squeezing out God. And I don't have time to read it this morning, but you read it there. Christian alluded to it earlier. They were far more bothered about building their house than ever they were about the house of God. They needed to evaluate their priority. And I think Christianity, deep down, friends, is simple. It's this, God first. God first. It answers a lot of questions when God comes first. When we first got married, we used to have a little embossed plaque above our fire in our little flat in Skegness, and it simply said, God first. It's answered a lot of questions, and it keeps things on track. And then also we asked them to evaluate their progress because actually... They'd been looking for so many things, had so many expectations, and they hadn't been 
fulfilled. Evaluation. Brothers and sisters, we need to continually evaluate our challenge here in Arena Church. Here's the gloomy bit for a moment. I was reading, these are things just within the last fortnight. I was reading that the humanist society in our country that's learning how to press the buttons to get their voice heard with increasing noise is now placing in every school in our nation a young atheist handbook to encourage young people not to believe in God. That's why we need more of what we had this morning. And young people, we encourage you to rise up and be what God's called you to be. You may remember around Easter time, Prime Minister Cameron just mentioned that he felt that evangelical Christians ought to be more open about their faith. And he said that faith had helped him in times past. Maybe when him and his wife lost their little darling son, Ivan, he was alluding to that. The article was in the Church Times, by the way. And the following week, 52 atheists wrote to the Daily Telegraph and said, this man is being divisive in our country. That's been built, friends, for 2,000 years on a Judeo-Christian ethic. There's impacted the arts, education, medicine, teaching. And so we could go on. That's the battle we're in, in our nation at the moment. Former Archbishop Rowan Williams said just last week that we now live in a post-Christian society. I don't know what that means, but it's a challenge. And a week last Monday, a lady went to school in Leeds at Corpus Christi Academy. She served in the same school for 40 years. She served three generations of, of pupils Grandparents that now used to send their grandchildren to that school. She was due to retire this summer. Exemplary service and darkness met with light. And she's into eternity in a moment. And so we could go on. We don't have time to mess around for the next 16 years. And I say that prophetically, not literally. We don't have time, friends, in this next season to be downing tools and caving in to fear, discouragement, frustration and accusations. I'll tell you what, I don't think we'll bother. We'll do church but we'll give the building stuff a mess. Friends, we'll miss it. And if you need to evaluate this morning prophetically to your heart, then I encourage you to do so. If you've taken your foot off the pedal, if you've gone in on yourself, if you've said, well, it's just about me, I'll turn up on Sunday, but I can't really give a rip. I'm just going to do my thing. I ask you this morning to evaluate because we need you to be part of the building project of Arena Church. You may say, well, I'm not much good. I feel as though I've just got a trowel man. That's all I've got. Other people, they're sort of like JCB diggers. They took everything in front of them. We need everybody. We need young people. We need people that by this world's standards are being retired. But we need your wisdom, your counsel, your encouragement, your ability to see and to champion and cheer people on. And this morning, I encourage us again, friends, to evaluate all that God's doing. These people did. In verse 12, it says that when they heard the prophets, they obeyed, they feared, and they were stirred. Well, that's a great response, friends, to prophetic ministry. Briefly, there wasn't only evaluation, but there was continuation. Because in the beginning of chapter 2, we all understand that it's okay to start, but how about continuing? And as we've heard this week, not only continuing, but finishing well. Finishing well. See, it's for the long haul. And maybe you started well. Maybe the gift of God was flowing in you. But how about continuing in it and going even further? You see, God comes to us and ministers to us. He understands that we often make comparison with the past 
when these people had began to lay the foundation of the temple, one of the things that pushed them back is, it's never going to be as good as Solomon's temple. How many times have you had people come up to you saying, I know we're getting all this, but it's never going to be as good as it used to be, you know. You know, when we're on Chrysler Street, there was something about being on Chrysler Street. It's never going to be as good as there. Never going to be as good as Ladybrook Estate. Oh, them meetings with Alf Misson and Roy Eccleston. And friends, I say that with no sense of dishonor. You've heard us from this platform again and again honor the past. And we honor the past. It helps us to live in the present and project into the future. But we cannot live there. We cannot live in the past. You may be camped at your experience of being baptized or filled with the Spirit or speaking in tongues. It may be that you've even camped at the call of God and never done anything with it. But a comparison with the past, it will never be, and then a concern for the future. Well, how is it going to all work out? Well, the reality is we don't know. That's faith. That's faith. All of us want the Z, and we've never even stepped into B. God speaks. You read it again and again in the scriptures, friends. I'm not talk, faith is not just, it's not fantasy. But faith is responding to the word of God that projects into the future. All of us in our Western mindset say, we'd really like you, Lord, to tell us how it's all going to work out. So there's never a gulp. There's never a challenge. There's never a fresh step. There's never any sense of us pushing ourselves out there. We want to know, Lord, the final chapter, that everything's going to be happy ever after. God says, well, actually, there's some grime and dust and muck in the middle. If I tell you now, you might not make that step. But if you go with me, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And we will get the job done. I tell you, friends, if God had told me everything that was involved in ministry as a naive, sort of green as grass, 24-year-old kid coming out of Bible college and leading a church a week after we got married, I would not have started. I didn't realize that people wouldn't like me just because I was leading the church. I didn't realize that people had faced me down when I was given a step of faith. But friends, I'm still here. I'm still going forwards. And some of you need to press into the next of God's. God says, be strong. And how about this for a complicated prophetic word? Chapter 1, verse 13. Then the word of the Lord and Haggai came and says, I am with you. Well, we can all get that, can't we? I am with you. Away they went. Don't compare with the past. Don't get overly concerned with the future. God says, chapter 2, verse 4, be strong. Be strong, all the people of the land. Be strong. And he says it again. I am with you. Friends, I say to the people of God this morning, I say to the leaders of Universal, I say to Kids Church, I say to those of you that connect with community and broken lives, be strong because the Lord's with you. Christian, be strong in this next season because God's with you. Be strong. And then God brings affirmation and time's gone. But he reminds them in verses 10 to 19 of chapter 2 that compromise always brings consequences, but he's heard the hearts of the people change. And he says, I'm with you. And finally, he brings confirmation to the people. God, out of a whole raft of revelation and purpose, says five times to the people, I will. He says, I will bless, I will overturn, 
I will overthrow, I will take, and I will make you my signet ring. Now, I'm not into jewelry. You're not going to find any bracelets or neck things around me. I'm just not wired like that. I've got one ring on, on my hand. I don't even like rings, but I wear this one for a particular reason because it reflects a special relationship I've got with a lady that's just on the second row this morning. It's called being married. And it reflects a commitment that we have one to another, an enduring commitment through thick and thin, through good and bad, <clears throat> through all the things that, all the joys and all the challenges that life brings. And God says this morning that you're my signet ring. And you know that signet rings particularly sometimes have an engraving in them uh, that reflects something. And where the purpose of God is coming here is that God has reflected a special relationship with us that reflects an authority that has placed in our lives to be what he's called us to be. He confirms over your life. If you go back to Ezra chapter 6, you'll find that they started to rebuild again. They not only started, but they continued. They not only continued, but they finished. Ezra chapter 6 verse 14. And I'm reminded of Philippians 1 6 that says, He that's begun a good work in you will perform it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And I leave you with this, friends. Acts 2, 9, which is a great life verse for me. The glory of the present house will be greater than the glory of the former, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant great peace. It may be that you've looked back on something of the past of your life and said it can never be as good as that. But here's the word of the Lord this morning, friends. The glory of what God wants to do in this latter time is going to be so much greater than anything he has done in the former. I believe, friends, that in all the challenges that our nation face at this time, with a secular, humanist, atheistic agenda that's far more fundamentalist than ever they would accuse Christians of being, all the challenges that we've heard this morning in that little video clip from Hope for Justice that can be multiplied thousands of times, sadly, as evil men and women do their work. All the things at times that seem utterly overwhelming. As we look back at what God's done in the past, God says, we thank God for that. But here's the truth. God says, not only will I bless you like I blessed you in the past, but the glory that I want to bring going into the future will far outweigh anything that I have done in the past. I want to say, friends, this morning, without any sense of hype, I believe that. I believe that the purpose of God in our land and in the nations are yet to fully produce all that God wants to do. Light will continually have to take on dark. We will need bold people to press through. We will need people that refuse to take their hand off the plow. We will need co-builders that will stand with us. When some are down, others will lift up and vice versa. But we commit ourselves afresh this morning, friends, in Arena Church, Ilkeston, Mansfield, the M1 Corridor and beyond. God, no limits, no pushing back, no dormant season in our lives, no place where we stop building. But God, we press hold of all that you've got for us this morning in Jesus' name. We bring evaluation to our lives and adjust accordingly if necessary. We thank you for the hope of continuation, that we won't be determined by the past and concerned about the future, but step by step we'll move with you. We receive your affirmation as we repent of any compromise in our life 
And here again that you're with us. And we take hold of your confirmation that says you'll bless, you'll overcome, you'll overturn, you'll take and you'll make us your precious signet ring, a unique relationship between Jesus and his church to outwork his restore purposes in the earth in these days. This is the mandate of Arena Church, friends. And we need you to help us. And we need every one of us afresh to say, nothing's ever going to stop us building. Let's pray.